Future Self Podcast, episode 14. Is it too late to be better than everybody else? Nope. If you aspire to little, then you're going to achieve little. I want to be a fucking legend. This is the Future Self Podcast, your place for financial and estate planning tips and so much more to make your future self your biggest fan. Here's your host, Robert Ingalls. Hello, Future Self listeners, and welcome to episode 14 of the Future Self Podcast, where every episode is intended to provide you with actionable advice that you can implement in your life today to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And with that goal in mind, I will be compiling knowledge, insight, and inspiration from some of the most accomplished minds and serving it up to you every Friday. Now, if you are looking to break free of the rut and be inspired to act, there is no better role model than today's guest, a man that marches to the beat of his own drum, consistently finds the funny in every situation, and is truly one of my all-around favorite humans. You may know him from his viral Panthers playoff videos or his cameos in Super Bowl commercials and the Johnny Knoxville movie Bad Grandpa, but his legendary culinary creations are what truly make him famous. Crafting such delicious gems as the Blue Bayou Dog, one of my favorites, with smoked blue cheese, spicy bacon, creole aioli, and green onions. The If Looks Could Kale Dog, (laughs) with kale pesto, arugula spinach, and parmesan cheese crisps, as well as poblano Picasso. And in a tip of the cap to vegetarians, you can find vegan chili dogs on Wednesdays the favorite dog of yours truly, and the slightly more renowned Panthers MVP quarterback and regular customer, Cam Newton. I am thrilled to welcome the owner of Charlotte's highest-rated restaurant on Yelp and one of the highest-rated restaurants in the nation. The man that makes the best chicken salad I have ever had, the sultan of street meat himself, Vic the Chili Man Warrani. Holy cow. I My <laughs> nipples are blushing. Wow. Welcome to the show, Vic. Good Lord. Thanks for having me. I, I don't know that I'm worth all the hype, but um, I mean, I make good wieners, but that's, <laughs> that is a lot of nice stuff you just said there. Thank you. Hey, I'm glad to have you here, man. Mm-hmm. We just heard some of the high points, but tell us what you're up to right now. Uh, you know, we're getting to the end of the season. Um, wieners run from about March to November, and uh, we're sliding in now to uh, more of the holiday season. So I'm doing a lot of festivals, a lot of fall fest, Halloween fest. Um, after I get through November, then we're, I say we, that's me. I, <laughs> it's me and my multiple personalities. Um Doing the holiday thing, doing law office parties and other things. And then uh, once I hit January, uh, I run my own foundation called Shred for Gabe and Luke. And uh, Shred stands for Skaters Helping Realize Extraordinary Dreams. Uh, And we help families whose children have uh, extraordinary medical needs, spina bifida, uh, cerebral palsy, uh, bladder extrophy. Just believe that one's horrible. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes people go, oh, I'm going to look that up it on the Google. horrible. It is horrifying. Just so um, that takes me about seven months. I've started to get that together around about July. Um, it's a skate deck art show. And auction held at the Unknown Brewery on February 11th. And uh, this year, on January 31st, we raised over $15,000 to help three families. They all got just about $5,000 to work, you know, uh, 
medical bills. I don't care. At the end of the show, I did God as my witness. I don't give a shit what they do with that money. I hand up to <laughs> Ziploc bags filled with cash to two of the families. And I wrote a check to the other one because she's from New York. And uh, she has five international special needs children. And she's a single mom. My word. Uh, she's a superhero, bro. So what year is it going to be this year? Uh, it is going to be uh, what day? February 11th, 2017 at the Unknown Brewery. We are expecting uh, about 200 pieces of artwork, the bulk of which will be done on skateboards. Um, and we will have a local artisan vendors market, food from Fat and Chili Catering, bakery from uh, By the Dozen. We have DJ Festivus. We have a huge raffle, which Rob's going to help us with. Um, <laughs> and we get a portion of the beer proceeds. We just... We run it hard for about seven hours, and we raise thousands and thousands of dollars for for just local kids that need some help. Good stuff. It's awesome. All right. I am kind of ashamed when I was writing out some questions. I'm kind of ashamed. I don't know the answer to this one. I've known you for years, but where did you get the name Chili Man? Oh, it's a great story. Actually, it's one of my favorite stories. Nice. Um, All right. So I used to work for the YMCA, uh, the Harris Y. And I was the the after-school programs, and I uh, actually worked in the summer and I built their low ropes course by hand out in the woods. Uh, and someone had heard that I make really good chili. So they came to me and they said, Vic, we're having an all staff meeting and we would love for you to make chili. We'll pay you for all the ingredients and a couple extra bucks. It wasn't a lot of money. No way in hell I'd take that kind of money nowadays. (laughs) So I made up a big batch of chili. I brought it in. And and when I say all hands, it is just literally everything from the director down to the maintenance folks. Everyone is at this meeting and um, everyone enjoyed the chili. End of that part of the story. Several years later, I used to be an actor and I was hired to arrest Ric Flair on Monday Night Nitro. Woo! Woo! <laughs> and it was down at the Bojangles Coliseum, which I think has a new name now. And I'm walking around. I'm dressed as a plainclothes policeman. My job is to get into the ring with another cop. This is also an actor. And we are going to cuff and walk Ric Flair out of the ring. That's our job for the night. And it's awesome. We were there for like nine hours, for God's sakes. So... I'm walking around, and I hear behind me, Chili Man! <laughs> hey, Chili Man! And it never occurred to me. I'm just kind of walking around, just watching all the wrestlers, watching the things that are going on. And I hear it three or four times, and it finally hits me. I make chili. And so I turned around, and it is one of the maintenance people from the YMCA now works at the Bojangles Coliseum. And I went up and I gave her a hug. I was like, do you even know my name? And she goes, yeah, you're the chili man. <laughs> and I went home that night after I was on the, you know, after the, the shoot was over and everything else. And I looked at my wife and I told her the story. And I said, if I ever start a business that involves food, I have to be the chili man. Nice. And that's how I got my name. And I stuck to it. It took a couple of years till I opened the business. But yes, I always... Exactly. How many years later was it? Couple, couple, three years. Gotcha. And it was just one of those things where when we were trying to name me, um, I said, look, I, I, I'll always remember that story. I always remember her going, Chili Man! <laughs> so that's where I got my name. So now where can we find this Ric Flair footage? 
It is. Oh, it's really hard to find. It well, is on the line. Well, I'm going to promise the listeners that you're going to find it for us. I'll send And it. we are going to put it in the oh, show notes awesome. and on the blog. That'll be awesome. I'm very tough. Uh, you'll, you'd barely recognize me because it's so long ago that I'm young and skinny. Um, <laughs> and But of the two plainclothes policemen that uh, go up to arrest Ric Flair, there's about eight cops with actual uniforms on they're all actors as well and we all walk down in and because i'm the bigger of the two of us i like pull the ropes open i let the little guy go through and he had to do the words and i gotta tell you at the middle of bojangles coliseum with everybody hating your fucking guts because they know why you're there (laughs) and the announcers are going oh all the police are here oh what's going on now this doesn't look good and it was um rick flair's son it was the one where he was getting married in the ring so that's the best way to find it. I think Rick, I missed that one. Yo, it was it was a pisser. <laughs> and the guy who was playing the the priest is another actor friend of mine, and he lays in this kind of Irish accent into into the the vows. And sh- oh my god, dude, I was just pissing my shorts with just <laughs> laughing. And we're going down, and people are screaming at us, They're like, "Yo, motherfuckers, will kill you!" And this is no joke. I am not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. They wanted our asses. So we get up there, and I told, I told there's a thousand producers, and every one of them tells you because it's on like a nine second delay. They all go, okay, this is what I want you to do. You, the big guy, you're going to do this. You, the short guy, you got the word, so you're going to do that part. And um, by the time five, seven, eight of them tell you what to do, we just were like, we're just going to do it our own way. So we decided that we we're going to walk down. The, the, the cops with the uniforms kind of go to the side. We walk up the stairs, and I'm going to be the guy who opens ropes. He goes in, and I said, as soon as one of those guys comes after you, because they're going to, you're, you're breaking up a wedding, I'll come in because I'm the muscle. I'm the meat. (laughs) And I got a suit on, which you've never seen and you never will. Um, So that's exactly what happened. I kind of stand there like a badass on the on the apron and I'm standing there like a big tough guy. And he does this thing and he was shaking. You could hear it in his voice. He's like, Mr. Uh, We have to we have a a arrest warrant for you and we're going to have to take you into the station. You could just see how nervous he was. We were in the middle of people hating our guts. And one of the other wrestlers like steps towards him. And I go in like I'm saving the day and I'm showing my badge and I'm like, come on, come on, bring it. And so they would step me back and I would step them back. And we went through this whole rigmarole and it was just so funny. Um, and then um, we walked him down the, the aisle, put him in the car and end of show. Nice. I was terrified to leave. And got the name for your business. Yeah. All in that one day. Nice. So what year did you start, um, you know, the hot dog cart? Oh, four. Oh, four. Yeah. Nice. So it's been going for a hot minute now. Yeah. This is, uh, I think, my if you count, oh, four, it's my 13th season. So, I mean, based on the magic that you're working every day, um, it's obvious that you've been behind the cutting board for at least a few years before that, right? <sighs> no. Not at all. I was in the restaurant business, but until the day, uh, I guess in the pizza industry, I did, I cooked some of the food, but usually that was on the fly or if something came up and, or, or somebody didn't show up for work. But up to the day that I started Chili Man, I had never cooked a plate of food for a customer other than throwing a couple pizzas together. So you were in food service, but you were in front of the house? I was the front of the house. I was management. I was bartender. I worked everywhere from the uh, busboy uh, down to Wilmington to management and never worked behind the line uh, in an official capacity to put together a plate of food. So at, at what point we were like, all right, I've never really cooked food before. I assume you've been cooking at home at least, right? Yeah. 
Um, so what were you like, okay, I'm going to go do something I've never really done before. I couldn't stand another goddamn day <laughs> of a district manager, a regional manager, or an owner telling me that what I was doing was wrong. When, whether it was the coffee place, the pizza place, um, the sandwich place that I worked at, every place I walked into, I made better. Now, so what were you pe- doing wrong, I guess would be my question. I'm loud. Yeah. Um, as, as you mentioned, I, I, I dance badly to the beat of my own drummer. I'm not here to be told what to do. When I took over a restaurant, I looked at it as if it was my restaurant. So when I was doing the pizza place, it was my place. When the owner walked in, he was secondary to me. And that's why I was good at it. I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, Vic, you feel so good about yourself. If you don't know what the freaking hell you're good at, then you're never going to be that good at it. Know what your strengths are. I was good at restaurant management. I was good at employee management. I was good at food management. This is what I was good at. But I was also really great with customers. And so I would have a lot of fun. I'd joke with the kids. I would put their artwork on the wall. I would show off my tattoos. And it brought people through the door because they felt like it's it's a personal experience. It's not just some schmuck who does the paperwork at night who's walking around at every table and goes, hi, my name is Vic, I'm the manager. How is everything tonight? And then you go, it's, it's fine. Yeah. And then he walks to the next table and you can hear him go, hi, my name is Vic. I'm the manager here. How is everything? It's right. fine. It doesn't feel personal at all. There's no personal. And I got so goddamn tired of it. So here I am making uh, places that people wanted to come. They felt comfortable. Uh, one of my best customers at the pizza place left the hospital. You'll you'll feel this one. Left the hospital after having their baby, and came to my pizza place first before they went home. <laughs> this is no bullshit. That kid was like three days old. They stopped. They got pizza and brought it home with them because they felt like they belonged there. They felt a connection to myself, to my customer, uh, my, my my employees, and yet. I was constantly being told, you can't be loud. You can't tell jokes. You can't be this guy. You can't, you can't, you can't. And especially probably in the the pizza place more than any, I made that owner a lot of money. A lot of money. Because I took a, a failing restaurant and I turned it into a thriving restaurant and yet would still be questioned. Uh, in the p- coffee place I worked at, I... I cleaned it up. And I mean that physically cleaned it up. I got the staff together. I got the costs in line. And yet I was constantly in trouble for something. And it often had to do with my personality. So the death blow came when my district manager, who shouldn't have been a district manager, she was not a good store level manager, but they made her district manager. And um, she came to me and she says, Vic, we got to talk about how loud you are and how that part of your personality. And she said, if there's someone here trying to do work on their computer and there's, you know, you can't bother them. I said, so let me just get this straight. Just so we're sitting here having this conversation. If there are a hundred people in this restaurant right now having coffee, 99 of them are enjoying my antics, the jokes, the comfort, but one guy is having an issue. I have to listen to him. And she looked me dead in the eye. She said, yes, you do. I said, you got it wrong. And within weeks, I quit. So was there, I mean, obviously that sounds like a big catalyst in that moment, but was there one moment where you were sitting down and you thought, this is it, I'm out? 
I, I think I think I was always heading in that direction. Um, uh, but I, I really feel that was it. I feel that was the that just pushed me over. It. Well, now there is another story, and this was also at the coffee place. It barely exists here in Charlotte anymore. Um, not much for saying names. Can you tell? No, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Don't want to throw anybody under that yeah. bus. Um, it had been sold by the owners. When I took the job, the owners still owned it. It was getting big. It was multi-state. It was a really fun place to work. And it was bought by a corporation. And we all had to go sit in a room and have this video conference with the new owner, um, the new CEO. And they were just going to tell state of the company address type of stuff and see what's going on. So we're sitting there. And I hate this anyway. I hate a meeting. I hate meetings. And we're all in this room. We're watching this stuff going on in Minnesota. And the new owner of the company comes on, or the new president, and he says, basically, state of the company. It's about a three-minute spiel. We're doing good. We're going to add regional management. We're going to expand this. We're going to try and get into these markets. It was a state of the company address. Nothing more. In no way did it stir an emotion in my heart here in my brain. And then they, once he was done, he was sitting in his office, they go back to where all the regional and the higher up management are. And a woman stood up, up on the a higher uh, table area. And she says, uh, whatever his name is, Mike, I'm just going to say Mike. She <laughs> says, Mike, I just want you to know that that speech spoke to my heart. And I went, <laughs> and then another woman stands up on the dais and she says, I'm not trying to take, you know, uh, uh, whatever away from her. And I went, I am fucking done with this. I cannot <laughs> live in that. I can't live in that environment. And those who can, God bless you. Because if we didn't have people like that, a lot of places couldn't run. A lot of stuff wouldn't get done. But this, I couldn't live in that environment where a state of the company address drove people to kiss his ass so hard that it turned him inside out. And I think that was where it started to go down. And then the one against 99. I'm always going with the 99. Right. If you don't like me and you're the one, there are other hot dog places. There are other restaurants. There are other coffee places. And it's going to suit you, but I have a certain way of running things. Right. This is who my customer is. Yep. And I understand that. And and, and I, I play to that. Nice. I like that. So at what point in this whole thing were you like, it's going to be hot dogs? My wife and I are both from New York, and we do not, at this point, consider when we visit, which we rarely do, going home. But at that point, we still did. We would drive up, we'd spend a couple days, we'd see our families, and then we'd drive back. And, you know, she knew where I was at this point. I was not happy with my job, um, not happy with how that part of my life was going. It's not what I went to college for, but I was good at it, and I understood that point, and I made money doing it. So we were just... And to, to predate this story a little bit, I've been making chili for a lot of years, and we started doing this thing called Chili Fest, and it's all our friends, and it started off rather small, and we had a small house, but I would get up one day a year, four in the morning, and I'd make chili, and I'd be drunk by 9 a.m., and all our friends would come over, and we would just get silly, just get drunk, just eat chili, and have a great time. And I, So we went through this over 10-year period to the point where come... August, people are calling the house now. Hey, you guys doing Chili Fest this year? Hey, like when's Chili Fest? And I just, I was good at it and I knew I was good at it. So towards the end, 
people started saying, why don't you sell this? Why aren't you making money off this? You just give it to us every year. And I thought, okay, that maybe is something I could do. So we were driving back from New York one point, and we were probably in the mountains of Pennsylvania coming south. Um, and my wife is driving, and she just says, you know, but I, I guess I had said something to the point of, I don't know, I've got to change. I've got to change my profession or something. I it wasn't happy with the why at that point, and I wasn't happy now with the restaurant business. And she says, why don't you open a hot dog cart? And I laughed, dude. I swear on my life, I laughed. I was like, who opens a fucking hot dog cart? Like, who does that? <laughs> it's just so silly. So it was literally swept under the carpet by me. And she's like, but... You're, you're really good with people. You make great chili. Why wouldn't you do like a chili dog cart? And I, I was just kidding. I was like, yeah, whatever. So about three weeks later, it really just started to resonate. It took about three weeks to marinate in my head. And I thought, this is actually kind of a cool idea. It it does play to my strengths, both as a cook and as a personality, but as the guy who doesn't do what everyone else does. So I did my, uh, I started to just look online and, look for carts and I would sit out in front of uh, Abraham's. He He's up on the corner of Fourth and Tryon. I, I sat in front of his cart for like two days and I took down every single hot dog he sold as much as I could. Just watched him work. Watched him work. Watched everything he sold. How many, if they are, if that bag has two in there. And, you know, some of it was conjecture, but um, I figured out about how much I could make. I figured out how much we could, we worked it all off credit cards. Everything was paid for by credit cards. And, you know, $8,000, $9,000 later, Chili Man was born, man. Dude, that's fantastic. I love the idea of sitting out and, and watching someone do it, too. Um, I mean, basically, he's almost like a mentor to you that you're just watching him work. Yep. Um, I, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel and, and hoping for the best. I, I thought I was going to reinvent the food wheel, and I was slapped down heartily on day one when I dumped 200 hot dogs in my steamer. And brought three gallons of chili thinking, I'm going to walk out here and make it happen. And I threw away so much food that day and I made $44 and I called my wife and I said, I'm selling the fucking cart. And she was like, why? And I told her, I said, I made $44. I just threw away $150. And she was like, calm down, Ace. Like, just chill. It's going to be okay. Let's do it again tomorrow. Don't put as many hot dogs in the steamer as you did. Because they. for those who don't know, and if you don't know me, you really need to. <laughs> um, I steam the dogs first, and then I put them on the cast iron grill to crisp them up and, and nice. So once they've been steamed, you can't save them for tomorrow. So I put a lot less hot dogs in the steamer. So I, so I did like 180 the next day because people now saw me. And, I mean, it's still, it was rocky. Two years of Rocky. Two years of one day is $40. The next day is $200. And then, right. you know, then it eventually levels out. I remember four months in, a lady comes to me and she says, okay, I've been watching you for four months. It looks like you keep it clean. It looks like you know what you're doing. I'll get a hot dog now. Four months. It's a 120 days of watching me as she walked by to see if I had it straight. So, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I wanted to sell it, push it off a cliff, light it on fire, collect the insurance. Um, but I'm lucky enough to have a wife who is both not just my muse and my partner in crime in so many ways, but actually makes a fair living. Yeah. I was kind of starting to hear a developing theme here of your wife giving you very good advice. She's good. Um, She's real good. That has really gotten you through. Yeah. If you don't have, again, not, not just her paycheck, but somebody who can, you know, walk you off the cliff, 
Because it's hard. At $44, everything we spent, all the money out, all the work, all the nerves, the, the sleepless nights to sell $44 in three hours. And most of that was my friends who I told. I said, look, you've gotten free chili for 10 years. Come down. Now you come down. Now yeah. you pay. And I told them, I was like, you're paying every time. If I have Chili Fest at the house, it's free. But when you, And they did. You know, my friends came out in droves, and that's what, you know, a line gets a line. And once they started to get there on a regular basis, people go, hey, there's a line there now. And that's how it kind of picked up. But yeah, those kicking the teeth earlier, hard though. God, best lesson I ever learned. Luckily, I learned it on the first day. <laughs> it was it was harsh. I just, I could have cried. I thought, I ruined us. You know, it, it's it's eight ten thousand dollars whatever it was. But even at your age, I mean, even at anybody's age, I, I didn't have a job at that point. And my wife did well, but not well enough to carry a sloppy ass like myself, you know, with a six pack a day or more habit and you know losing eight to ten thousand dollars is frightening yeah and to sell 44 i want to push that thing off a cliff man yeah i mean i think that you can't really overstate the importance uh of picking the right partner in life too that's something that i realized um and i can speak highly of that because i have that at home as well mm-hmm. like when i was ready to make a big change in life there weren't a lot of uh doubting questions you know, there was questions on like, you know, why do you want to do this? What are we going to do? But it, it was always met with support. Right. And that's, oh my God, you got it. Yeah. Like what, whatever, you, whatever makes you happy. Yep. So, um, so yeah, if you're listening, take that seriously. Um, you know, if someone's not supporting you and what it is that you want to do, um, maybe you want to reassess because you got a, you know, life's really long. It is a, it <laughs> is not a sprint. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been really lucky. My wife believes in me, uh, whether it was when I decided to become an actor or a comedian, um, you know, moving to the YMCA and really making very little money at the time to, cause I wanted to be there after school director or teen director or whatever. And it didn't work out. And, um, yeah, she's always been there. I mean, every stupid fucking idea I have every, you know, I, I have my own line of, kids skate gear and they are child friendly they are family friendly there's no middle fingers no the shocker no pot leaves no curse words and i thought i had a winner i thought this was going to be one of the big ones for us the you know if not the million dollar idea the half a million dollar idea where we could look at this underserved population of skateboarders whose parents don't want them to have a big pot leaf on their chest uh and uh she supported me through that and it didn't work out you know and we've paid off our benefactors and we still have tons of stuff in my garage sure um she's fully behind chili man sauce work she is fully behind daddy daughter disney she is fully behind all these things i have to do but she also understands that i can't i'm not going down sitting i'm going down fighting and even the fights that i'm gonna lose you know even rocky lost the first one yeah um so you know, she's behind Daddy Daughter Disney, even though she hates to be behind the camera. And she's yeah, so, yeah, I, I cannot <laughs> stress enough. And, and I hope someday she hears this, maybe when we're really old or maybe when she's really mad at me. But <laughs> without Tara, nothing happens. Not any one of my ideas, not any one of my sicknesses is is out there uh, because I'd still have to put up with schmucks telling me what to do in the restaurant business. I love that. Yep. That's You're, great. I love you, honey. <laughs> So, 
I have a number of listeners I know. Um, I've talked to a, a few of them myself, and I know that they're in that very position that you were in. They're not happy doing what they're doing. Um, but a lot of them, they feel like maybe it's not the right time, or even worse, they think it's too late to make that jump. What do you tell them? Oh, that's tough. Uh, a, it's never too early. And I, B, I don't think it's ever too late. Um, you know, uh, I was in the pizza biz. There's a thousand pizza places. Um, the one I came into, it, he wasn't first, but he was successful because he did it right or they did it right. It was, And I, I learned a ton. I may not be as happy with the owners as I could be, but I did learn a lot from them. And I learned one of the best lessons I probably ever learned was there's always room in the marketplace for a superior product. Boom. That may be one of the best things I ever learned. I'm not the cheapest hot dog by a mile. I'm the most expensive by quite a bit. I mean, we're literally talking quarters and 50 cents or a dollar here, but it's a hot dog. And you know, either you're going to sell a $1.75 hot dog or you're going to sell a $3 hot dog. And if you're selling that $3, that bastard better be fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, we're talking ties spinning and hats coming slightly off of your your, your hat uh, head. Um, so is it too late to be better than everybody else? Nope. And it's never too early to be better than anything else. So if you're deciding to open a guitar store, a hot dog store, a coffee shop, of course there's a thousand fucking coffee shops. Be that bad ass at it as you can. Dedicated to it slamming the hours and it's never too late and it's never too early unless you're like 20 years out then it's too early we had an idea that it was 20 years too early well that happens you just yeah. kind of keep it in the oven it is it still lives um so yeah um no but you're so right i mean if you look at a, a lot of the major companies were not first apple wasn't the first person making personal computers they damn sure weren't the first person putting you know a smartphone in someone's hand mm-hmm um, and so many other companies are doing the same thing. Just do it better. I mean, look at Uber. It's essentially a cab oh company, God. and they are running cab companies into the ground because they figured out a way to do it better. Yep. More um, efficiently, yeah, cost-effective. Exactly, and just run a better product that people like yep. and are willing to pay for. Yep. Don't don't skimp ever. Don't skimp ever. Don't skimp ever. It sounds like be the best was the advice there. Yeah. my Work, work hard until you're there. Yeah. My... Mission when I came out, and this was at, I was in a book called um, Oh shit, I can't remember the name of the book. I was <laughs> that's all right, send it to me and I'll, I'll link send it. it to you. It's Mo, it's called Mo, uh, and it was M O exclamation point, and it says everyday heroes who work with moxie, motivation, and something else with an M O at the beginning of it. Uh, basically, it's a book about ordinary jobs done extraordinarily. I was chapter one, nice. And he asked me, I was also in the forward. I'm also on Amazon. I'm the chapter, the preview chapter. So you can read about me on Amazon. Oh, fantastic. I will, I will link that on the blog and in the show notes. So you can check that out. It's really cool. And I'm also in the forward. Um, but he asked me, he said, um, so when you started Chili Man, like what was the mission? What was your, what was your mission? I said, when I think about being that guy, my thought was 10 years after my last day of selling a hot dog, people are still talking about me. Yeah. And that, and he even says, he goes, he's not saying this in a way that's not humble, but if you aspire to little, then you're going to achieve little. I want to be a fucking legend. 
I want to be that guy that these 20 somethings that are coming to me now, and I have a lot of these 20 somethings, they love the old man. They, I talk about my bathroom habits and I, I, you know, just, we talk about crazy stuff and, you know, at some point they're going to be Rob's age at 36. Hey, I started out as one of those 20 somethings. Yeah, you did. And you remember later, me. Later 20 something, but. <laughs> and I want them to talk about me. I want, I want when they're 40 and they're still working downtown for the man, I want them to be like, I miss that guy. Remember the time he talked about wearing his wife's underwear? <laughs> that was a good day. That was a good day. Cause now who's out there is people going, do you want mustard with that? I'm not that guy. Right. Oh man. Oh yeah. I did tell that story too. I tell that story all the time. I also told it to Eugene Robinson on Charlotte today while we were off camera. That poor guy almost died right there. It was a beautiful, beautiful story. Well, we don't have to censor you here at all. So I like that. All right. Uh, I really want you to remember that, listeners. I feel like you just got served some of the best nuggets of golden wisdom you will ever get. When you are out there grinding every day and it is getting tough, and it's going to, it's going to feel thankless, you need to remember that virtually Everyone who ever made it did the same grind that you're doing. In almost every scenario, the primary distinction between those who made it and those who didn't was perseverance. Their willingness to stay out there. Their willingness to cook 200 hot dogs and make $40 all day. But to get off their ass and get back out there the next day. It's going to be hard. You're going to fail. But when you do, dust yourself off and figure out what you did wrong and get out there and do it better. Like you just said, I didn't cook quite as many hot dogs the next day. Yep. <laughs> it's, and, you know, l- learn your lessons. Like, I could have gone out the next day and thrown 200, 200 hot dogs back in that sunbitch. Hope for the best. That's right. You go, well, I, I want to be a legend, so here goes two more hundred hot dogs. But I learned my lessons. And I think that's a huge part of it. And if, you, if you're looking for the lessons and then you take heed of what has happened, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm not even the smartest guy in the room. And there's two of us and some guitars. <laughs> um, but I do my best to learn from the lessons that are presented to me. And I think that's where I do well as well. And I think I get that a lot from marriage too, because I make a lot of mistakes or I used to. I mean, you just get to watch someone who's way better at life do life. Oh my God, I know. And you're like, oh my God, that's such a better idea. Yeah. And every, at least once a day, I'm like, damn, that's a way, <laughs> that's way better than I've been doing it. It's, it's more efficient. It's yeah. not nearly as sloppy. No one has to change your shirt. That's, yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like we're both punching well above our weight. Oh my God. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I did this. No, I do know how I did it. I, I still can cook. Yeah. Well, I, I did it by just being relentless. I was like, you're, you're my, you're mine. Really? I will never. I will do anything that it takes <laughs> to make sure that you are always here. So you were literally one tape length from being a stalker. Oh yeah. Excellent. I mean, thankfully she never just like <laughs> threw me out on my ass and was like, "Stop coming around." Um, you know, but I did. I went. I did all of the things that I knew it took to be. Because like you know, I, even when I met her, I was not the kind of person that was ever going to marry that girl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What kind of person do I need to be yeah. to marry that girl?" Um, and that's what I tell my listeners all the time too. Like, don't be yourself. Be your best self. That's right. Every single day, you should be learning and growing and doing something different that makes you just a little bit better than you were yesterday. I love that. I love that. So, I think that's why. Uh, I mean, part of Chili Man from the beginning. You know, I learned from my wife 
more compassion for other people. I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned from her. She's that kind of girl that sees somebody in a bad situation. And years ago, I had been like, uh, I need a beer. And she'd be <laughs> you know, welling tears. And I learned compassion for others that I maybe either didn't know about or didn't have. And that's why with as I've gone forward and become quote unquote successful or whatever it is I am, uh, I try and serve my community. I've always tried to raise money um, for folks who have situations worse than my own. Cause I have a pretty freaking good man. My kids are healthy. They might be a pain, but <laughs> they're healthy. F- physically. We don't have a lot of medical bills. My wife, for some reason, continues to love me unabatedly. <laughs> after 29 years together and uh, we have a house and we don't worry about food and we don't worry about these other things. So um, it started with the North Carolina state CASI chili cook-offs. And I, I, I don't know if you were in school yet. You may not have been, um, but they have an award for the most money raised. So I would use my cart and I would, I would just do these small raffles. I'd go to friends and say, hey, what can you give me? $10 gift certificate here, whatever I could do. And if you threw a dollar in, you could also throw your name in and I would pull out prizes. And one day at the School of Law, and I, the first time I went to the CASI event, I won most money raised, a couple hundred dollars. And I love that. I love doing it because it was for people who had it off worse than me medically. So then I got crazy with it. And then uh, this was at the law school. I auctioned off my dignity. Do you remember that? I don't. I definitely wasn't there for that. I'm going to try and send you this picture too. So yeah, um, please do, because I'm going to put that up as well. It's a doozy. So what it was, and it wasn't just at a law school. I put up a piece of paper and it said, anybody who makes a single $50 donation to this Cassie uh, uh, chili cook-off, gets to dress me for a day at the cart. And a couple of the folks, um, Professor Lyons? Yeah, Susan, yeah. Susan Lyons, thank you. She got a bunch of her kids, uh, the, the students together, and I think they donated $75 at one time. And then she paid for me to go to Morse costume. I got a full body gold unitard from my <laughs> ankles to my shoulders, no sleeves, thankfully. Um, a purple and pink tutu and a tiara. And I, you know, I keep my money in a, a roofer's belt yeah. and boots. So I went to work at the School of Law that day in a gold onesie with a tutu, a tiara, a roofer's belt, and my boots. Now, to make it even funnier, it was kind of cold that morning. So I'm standing there and my nipples were super hard and that fabric (laughs) was so abrasive that at one point I looked down and it looks like I have a chili spill right above my nipples. I was like, that's perfect. It actually, they were bleeding. Oh my. I literally had bleeding nipples. <laughs> now, Joan will probably remember. I'm pretty sure she was there for that one. Some of the uh, year ones, twos, and threes were there for that. That, But that was... So I just got hooked. I got hooked on helping raise money. So five out of the six years, I did the uh, Chili Appreciation Society International Chili Cook-Offs in Char- uh, North Carolina. I won the most money raised. 
the sixth year, I put an asterisk because I still believe I won the most, but I think they gave it to somebody else because they were tired of my ass. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, and then, but, but it, what it does, and, and like you're talking about, it it helps you become a better person than you were yesterday. At the end of this past year, I had fifteen thousand dollars, which is an immense amount of money in my hands, and I gave every penny of it away to people. I kept nothing. I worked hundreds of hours. That day, my voice was broken. My body was broken. My back hurt. My ankles hurt. And I packed all that money up in some Ziploc bags, and I handed it out. That will make you a better person. Even if it's giving a dollar or we bought a $15 fucking bag of popcorn from the Boy Scouts the other day. $15. (laughs) It was very good, by the way. I really enjoyed it, but... That's how. That's one of the ways that you become a better person at the end of every day. You don't have to do it every day. You don't have to find somebody. But I always look for that opportunity. And for all I've ever done wrong, for all the dumb shit I've ever done in my lifetime, at the end of it all, I'll be able to say I've helped, whether it's the Boy Scouts, whether it's Shred, whether it's um, the Cassie Chili Cook-Offs. That's where I look to make myself a better person and there's no small amount of advertisement that goes with that either. Sure. That's big you know? stuff, man. It is. It's, um, uh, I've always said, if you want to know what a person is about, don't look at what they do for a living. Look at what they do for free. And I sp- try to spend as much of my free time you know, doing something for the other folks. And don't get me wrong. I'm no saint. Um, and yes, every now and again, I looked at a bag of $15,000 and thought, that's a Harley. <laughs> but I think that's what sets people apart is the ones who never actually get the Harley. Yeah. I do not have a Harley, but yeah, I'll tell I, you. I'm past the point in my, in my life that my wife's going to allow that yeah. too. So. I th- we miss our we miss our motorcycle a lot, but uh, you know someday we'll have scooters and we'll be riding around in an RV like bosses. Oh, we'll, I love a we'll scooter, man! Hair bosses. I know, I know you remember my scooter. I, I do. Yeah, I, I rode, really. Do I? Oh man, I rode that thing every day for two years. I don't. You must not have parked near me. Oh man, yeah. And during law school, I, I miss it. I know they're fun. Uh, um, so we talk about implementing habits and routines a lot on this show as well. Is there any particular habits or routines that you implement on a daily basis that you feel like you can attribute your success to? It's an interesting question. I, I mean, I'm all about the routine. It's at the cart, but I, I can't. Like I, I tell folks, this is more just really hot dog centric. Um, Everything goes in the same place every day, no matter what, because you should be able to make a hot dog with your eyes closed. Um, but as far as routines in my life to become successful, I'm too scattery, man. And, and honestly, it does pay me poorly sometimes. Um, I should be the guy who has printed out um, lists before I leave every day and and not just let the the thoughts come flowing. So I would say it, it it's... If I have a really bad habit, that's not the kind will get me in prison. It is that <laughs> is I am scattery as hell, and I wish I did have habits that I could follow or routines that would make me better at what I do. But in the same way that I recognize what makes me good, 
I do recognize that which I don't do well. Um, but unfortunately, I don't always, you know. Still early. Plenty yeah. of time. Yeah, it's only 13 years in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it seems that, you know, you're a one-man show. And it's the Chili Man brand that's on the cart. And was there ever a, an idea that, like, I'm going to think about logically branding this? Um, or was it just really, this is who I am, this is what I do, and it just kind of became the brand? I became the brand. Um, and I knew it was, it, it, it was never a thought process. I just am the guy that I am. Um, the guy that I'm standing telling stories behind the cart is the same guy who walked in here this morning and immediately ran to the bathroom, took a pee. I don't change <laughs> because of my profession. So I never tried to brand out. I didn't even, I didn't even know what the word branding meant back then. Um, I just did exactly what I felt was right. And sometimes that means telling blue stories and silly jokes. And uh, I'm very self um I, I pull a lot of my own jokes are about me and, you know, whether it's a tiny dick joke or, um, you know, how I've let my wife down and, you know, this way, that way. And I think it just kind of became, I saw what people were enjoying. Um, and it just became it. it. Yeah. It was, there was never an idea to go, I'm going to be the hot dog. I just wanted to make good hot dogs, bring home enough money to help pay the bills um, and, and the chili man as it stands just kind of grew out of it. Nice. Um, now you're also available for some catering gigs still mm -hmm, too, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got, I do, um, kind of have two kind of catering companies. One is just the chili man. And that is where I can bring the cart to your house or up to doing a private chefing at your residence. Um, this is something that I've done, um, but I don't need much help past, you know, 70, 80 people. Yeah. I don't. But then well, I'll... And I can speak to that. Um, you know, I had him pull the cart up to my house oh, yeah. uh, the day after I got married. And um, just, you know, open access to anything on the cart is it's pretty exciting stuff. It's so, fun, yeah. And so because, hire him to bring the cart to your house. It's wonderful. And when it's a paid event like that, I can do some fun stuff. If it's the cart on the, the, cart on the street allows me hot dogs only or, or tube meat, as it were, only... When I get hired to do something like your after wedding party, I can really get funky. I can really do some fun stuff. So uh, I do have another catering company, and it's called Fat and Chili. Uh, my catering partner, Matt Hewitt, used to have a company called Fat Mats. And uh, he moved to Minnesota for a while to work with a software company. And when he came back, I had my own catering company. So we were cooking together because we're friends. And then... Uh, he would hold events at his house and being buddies, being beer buddies and food buddies like we were, we just accidentally just worked really well together. So finally, we were at an event at his house and I was helping and people are like, why aren't you guys in business? Why aren't you guys in business? And again, it's almost like becoming the chili man. People had to go, you should be in business. Yeah. So people are at the party said, you guys should really cater together. And so we talked to one of the guests who works at a law office. And we said, you know, why are you, would you guys think of hiring us for your Christmas? Because she had bitched about uh, their most recent catering and the food wasn't that great. And um, she was like, yeah, let me talk to the boss. And so they hired us that year. We, we took the money that they spent last year we, and we just rode it into the sunset. Uh, and I just 
before I got here, left our sixth, this will be our sixth year. I just left the, uh, the catering meeting where we decided on the menu. Um, and, you know, they agree. They say, you know, for the price, for the quality of food, you know, we can't get this for double the price. But that's the beauty of having two guys who work real hard, who make great food, and have very low overhead. Yeah, I go to that party and it is fantastic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, wait till you see the menu this year, bro. Ugh. We are going way off course. Nice. All right. So obviously, you've showed up, uh, you know, on the small stage and on the, you know, the big screen more than once. Tell us about how it is that you show up there from time to time. <sighs> A lot of it is. I, I started when I lived in Wilmington before I ever got into the, I was just kind of getting into the restaurant business and uh, I was funny. I always have been. And I finally got my girl panties off, put my man panties on and went down and was in a comedy <laughs> show, like a contest. And I was pretty good. I came in second out of six. First time I'd ever stood on stage. I always had some real serious stage fright. I even still experience stage fright, which is so bizarre. Oh, me too. And I tell people that and they don't think that, you know, like I, you know, I do jury trials and I tell people I still get a little nervous every time. Yeah. You know, I think if you don't, there's something wrong. And the only difference is those who stand up anyway. Yep. That's exactly. Oh, I love that. You know, it's the ones who stand up anyway. Even when I'm on like WJZY has had me do four cooking segments. Before it starts, I guarantee you, my hands are shaking. Yeah. Every time I've been on, I've done, I don't know, 150 live improv shows. I've done a little bit of stand-up. I've been in movies, TV. I have been asked to, I, and yet I'm doing a cooking segment, something I'm incredibly comfortable with, and yet I still get it. I don't get diarrhea anymore, which is nice. <laughs> uh, I remember back in Wilmington when I was doing improv shows, and, you know, always happened 20 minutes before the show and you know we're in a bar for god's sakes and there's no door and i'm just in there just wailing <laughs> but if i didn't it's coming out on stage um so <laughs> More i memorable oh, oh it's just horrible so um when i was in wilmington i did a little comedy and um i was offered to be represented by an agent for the first time i didn't uh but i landed up being an extra on um matlock Oh, nice. Yeah. Really? So we can go and watch Matlock and see you at some point. You will see my elbow. I um, was right next to the bad guys. Oh, that's upsetting, isn't it? Yeah, because I was telling everybody, it's got to watch Matlock, got to watch Matlock. And it literally cut me off right here at the elbow. And I was right next to the bad guys. I mean, I was rubbing elbows with a principal star on the show. And they cut me out except for my elbow. So... um Came up here, and I think we've already glossed over the fact that my wife continually backs me. And I said, look, I want to try this. Can I just get some headshots done and find an agent and go for it? And she said, absolutely, you can. And so I got into the film industry for a little while. I've done 26 commercials, and that's everything from local to SAG national commercials. I've been recognized as far away as Florida. I've had... um Let's see, I did a modeling once, which is weird. Mm. Uh, been in a couple movies as everything from a photo double to extra to featured extra. Uh, local small film where I was a feature. Um, did a couple like industrial films. So I'm that's part of the world I've lived in for a while. So I, I get calls from that every now and again. And that was, I mean, that's how I landed up on 
the, the wrestling show. Gotcha. Um, that was I still had representation at that point. Now because they still know me, every now and again I'll get phone calls. Hey Vic, we're just out of we're out of auditions. We need somebody, and I'll I'll go for that. Or like uh, Bad Grandpa, the production company called into Charlotte and they said uh, we need a hot dog guy. Can you send us a list? And this guy will be on camera. He'll need to be able to not pay attention to the camera. And they they literally said one guy call Vic. Yeah, and they give. <laughs> I've been around Charlotte long enough. Yeah, that's a one person list. Yep, and they <laughs> called me, and we you know hashed it out on money, and they shot for the day, and the day was over, and they said, "Hey, can you do it again?" Unfortunately, I was going to be away that day, and uh, they weren't going to move the shoot, so I should have been on it a second day. It was good money you know, for what it is. Uh, but I was able, and again, not sure everyone can do this or not. When Johnny was there, he was just an old man and the kid was there. And then someone would come to the cart and the minute Johnny talked to them, I had to go away, not physically, but in every other way, I couldn't listen to their conversation. I couldn't react to their conversation. Uh, and I was good at that. I take direction. Well, again, 29 years of marriage. Um, so as soon as he started talking, started to do his shtick, I would just start cleaning. If you watch the film, there's a lot of parts where I'm just cleaning, just like wiping things down. I don't react. Um, when the young lady who said, when he says, oh, it looks like you're married. And she said, yeah, to a gun toting police officer choking. Like I am back there choking. Cause I knew her. She was, a she was from the Law school. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah. She, uh, uh, I, she told me she's like Vic. I was on the verge of killing him. She's like, I had this really bad anger issue, and she goes, and he was really getting on my nerves. She goes, the only thing, the only reason I didn't lash out at him is she said you weren't protecting me, and she was really pregnant at the time, and she said. I, I knew something was up that you weren't standing for so me. So that actually brings me to a question I had that I didn't know. So do the people in the film initially have no idea what's going on? The only people that knew were me, the little boy, and Johnny. So do they film it and then get consent from them after? Mm-hmm. Oh, the, like, hey, are you good with this? There was tons of... Every direction had a consent signer. So if they went back up trying, if they went down trying, if they went down... Uh, it was in that pocket park. So they didn't see the consent until nope. they were actually on camera and had done their thing. They were already on. Now, uh, one of my regulars, who I dragged her, I I, I reeled her in. She was a very sassy black lady, and she she did the head, and she, I love her. And she's like, so I saw her, and I ran over, and I was like, hey, I gave her a big hug, and I was like, oh, and just, what are you doing down this part? You know, we're three blocks from where we usually are. And what I was doing is I was walking her back. So as we were talking, I kept little by little walking back to the cart. And when I got her there, Johnny jumped on her and did the whole thing. And she came to me a few minutes later. She came back behind the cart. She goes, they're trying to get me to sign some papers. Is that is that okay? I was like, no, absolutely. It's okay. You have to sign. And I told her what happened. And she's like, and I was like, if you're on, you get paid. I believe you get paid to be on the movie. I don't know that she ever did. I don't think she signed out. But yeah, I reeled her right in. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, she'd be perfect. Somehow she's going to make this happen. Yeah, but that was no, a fun scene too. I guarantee everyone out there who is listening to this, the people that were standing there, the people he was doing the prank to, had no clue. And I was, I was even offering like discounts. I put on my Facebook page, "Come right now, dollar off of a combo." Like I was trying to drag people to it because. Um, so no, I knew because I was getting paid for it. Sure. And uh, there was a lot of uh, almost everyone else in the park, even if you didn't realize it, was there to protect Johnny. 
There huh. was, oh my, everybody had a camera or they were a bodyguard. Well, I'm sure. I mean, I I, I, assume, I assume you've seen the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part in the strip club, I'm like, I'm not sure how you made it out. I thought he was going to die. Yeah. I, it, that's dangerous stuff. There were some and big dudes, especially too. Especially now that you tell me that they weren't in on it. No. Wow. They, I, I guarantee you, no one knew. How about that? It's crazy. That yeah. dude's got balls bigger than anything I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, he does. Life. Clearly. Jesus. Nice. Well, now, Vic, you are one of the most unflappably upbeat people I have ever met in my life. And I love that about you. Um, if I'm in a shitty mood, um, you you know, you kind of work as an antidepressant. Thank you. But surely the weight of the world gets heavy sometimes. How do you, like, do you have any techniques you use to stifle that stress? I mean, beer's good. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if... It's just the chemicals in me. I, I, I get depressed sometimes. I, I it's just not in a way that overwhelms me. I think I'm. I was just born with a chemical balance. Just like there are people that are chemically balanced to be depressed or or what have you. I'm I'm just very lucky, and I've lived through some weird stuff. My wife losing her job, and you know us being on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, you know, months away from losing our house, but then we didn't and you you learn that it is a really long run this whole life thing and yeah sometimes things go to shit but you get through you just get through man and we didn't lose our house and and we bounced back and um yeah i get pissed about the election and i get <laughs> pissed about this other stuff but you know i find my drug is as we've already spoken about my my charity work or my fund, I don't I don't like to call what I do charity work because these are not these are these are just families who just need that hand up. They're not handout people. They just need a hand up. So I don't like to call it charity because I think it has a bad connotation. Um, and I put a lot of my time into that, and I think that always makes me feel so good. Um, I do have a solid home foundation, uh, but at the same time it doesn't last. The bad times don't always last. They suck, but you get through. Um, you know, we've been there a couple times. Nice. So good stuff, man. All right. We're going to take a quick moment here to give a shout out to our affiliate partners on the show. Listeners, there are infinite paths to success, but they all start with knowledge. We talk about that all the time. And you know, I'm not always talking about school. The internet has brought us a multitude of free and inexpensive resources right to your fingertips. And one of my favorite resources is udemy.com. You can learn virtually anything you want, anytime you want. And the best part is that Udemy lets you learn it right from the pros themselves. Udemy really has turned the doers into teachers and has turned your laptops and your mobile devices into classrooms. Now, check back on the blog frequently because I will be cranking out phenomenal promotions and discounts on Udemy's entire course catalog on a regular basis. So if you miss a deal, do not fret because as an affiliate partner, I'm going to be putting stuff out there regularly. And We always talk about this as well. I have been a book lover my entire life. I love the way they feel in my hand. I love the smell of the pages. So I will never stop buying books. I love them. But over the last few years, I have become a big fan of digital books. And my favorite app for those books is Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited brings the world's largest bookshelf right to your fingertips. Forget to grab a book on your way to vacation, that's not a problem because you you know you have it right there at your fingertips, almost any book that you want. 
want to read if you want to read a quick passage in a book but you don't want to buy the whole book you can do that too Kindle Unlimited brings the written world to your fingertips for less than the cost of a paperback per month as always you can find any of these links that I mentioned and anything that we mentioned in the show notes and on the blog as well any purchase you make through those affiliate links, we're going to get a portion of that kick back to the show to help us keep the lights on around here. So it is a win-win. All right, Vic, this is the point in the show that we call the Future Self Skinny Minute, where I will be asking you a series of semi-rapid fire questions <laughs> to give the listeners the skinny on you. Are you ready? The lightning-ish round. Lightning-ish. Lightning-ish. All right. Let's All right. see if I can be wise again. What is your favorite dog that you make? <gasps> like if you had to make one it's gotta be the life changer yeah that, that is grilled cheese spicy mustard taco juice chili onion and jalapeno oh good stuff it's frito pie is right up there though yeah that's funky man those are both good yeah um what is your favorite restaurant in charlotte wow yeah i'm putting you on the spot you are what is my favorite restaurant you know, this is going to be hard because I don't, I, I eat like I cook. I eat simple. I don't go for like. Simple, really. I'm, I'm a simple. After the hot dog you just described. <laughs> I, like, I like easy comfort food. I like pizza and wings yeah. a lot. We go yeah. to Farley's. Uh, but I, that it might be the have best be high question. End, you know? It isn't. I mean. I don't know if Farley's is, you know, my favoriteest of all favorite, but I really do enjoy it, and we eat there about once a week. <laughs> I know it's like I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who's sitting there again four hours ago having a meeting talking about bacon jam and uh, smoked blue cheese on crostinis, and I'm making mini bon mies, and we're talking about all this beautiful food, and I'm the guy who goes to Harris Teeter and buys a chicken. <laughs> and puts Cajun salt and dips it in Frank's Red Hot. That sounds good. Um, if I come up with anything else, I'm just going to yell it out. But again, I don't know. Feel free. I don't know that it's Farley's. I do enjoy them. Uh, do you have a favorite chef? I used to like Alton Brown quite a bit. Not necessarily as a chef, but I enjoyed watching his show because... It wasn't just about the food. It was why about the food. Why it happened. A lot of explanation. Yeah. I like the science behind it where you could see things as or why they were developing. I think I got a lot, if not specifically that I got inspiration for certain things, but I think I understood food better. Right. What goes together. Yeah. I used to like that show a lot too. Yeah. I think as it got, I don't enjoy watching Alton Brown anymore of these crazy shows they have them on well but i mean all the food networks kind of gone that way too it's really gone out the window yeah i mean there's still some i mean i always love chopped um i don't even watch but, that anymore oh dude i'd love to see you on chopped i i don't know that i do well i'm a thinker yeah i think you'd have fun though i would probably have some good times <laughs> but yeah i i i i always question i go do they really have no time because they're you go well i got uh yeah 20 got, minutes to put all that together yeah you got a, a cracker jacks and a piece of pork and belly button lint and a, <laughs> a, two pieces of asparagus and you're like i'm gonna make a belly button lint uh, and you're like what the fuck man like you've got to have some idea going in um but yeah i think i'd have a good time i don't think i'd do well <laughs> what is one book that everyone needs to read 
It's going to sound really weird. Um, salt, a world history. Okay. I mean, salt's one of my favorite ingredients. Um, so uh, I think salt has gotten such a bad name over the years, and it's not salt that is bad. It is the oversalting of food that has gone bad. So when you buy something packaged, uh, salt is... It, it keeps... Um, it keeps your food fresher, longer. It's the salted fish and salted meats and, and things like that. So what they do with all these prepackaged foods is they just oversalt the shit out of it. It's not good for you. Salt is so important to food. And when I tell people the amount of salt that is in my chili, they get a little weirded out by it. And they go, well, how can you have that much salt? And I was like, because you have to. Take a piece of beef, raw beef, put it in your mouth. It's bland. Chili powder on your tongue, bland. Cumin, bland. All these things are bland, and it takes salt. And, and Alton Brown said this. Salt makes food taste more like itself. So if you salt the meat properly, it tastes more like meat. If you salt the, your cucumber properly, it is better. So salt, a world history, is about how civilization developed not for oil, not for gold, not for any of these things, but the need and want of salt. They learned to drill wells, not for oil, but to get the salt beneath the surface of the earth. That's where oil, soldier, S-O-L, short for salt, salary, S-A-L, short for salt. All these things come from the need and the want for salt. Civilization was built on it. And now we use those same things for gold and for oil and for minerals and these things, but it all came from people. I mean, it used to be the thing. The king got the salt. The king had a bowl of salt. And if you wanted it, you had to go to him and ask for the pinch of salt. Ah. This is no joke. So I think to have your worldview kind of skewed on something that we have, I believe the the going knowledge right now is, there's enough salt in the way we use it right now, and that is including putting it on the roads during winter all over the world, enough for the next 250,000 years, which is an insane amount of salt. Well, I'm glad to know that. I don't want it to run yeah. out. Yeah, you don't have to worry about hoarding now. Okay. But um, it's just that's, that's something that is so every day. You've, I've, got, I've got probably 17 to 20 different types of salt in my cabinet right now. I you, you overlook it. But when you start to realize that your worldview has been skewed almost 100% by table salt. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And, and I grew up with that idea as well. I mean, we always had salt around, but it wasn't something that I used a ton of. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't I didn't really know the difference until I started dating my wife and she is a big proponent of salt she loves it and i had just always heard oh too much salt isn't bad for you so i always tried to keep just use a little and it changed my life mm -hmm. um it you know I, i've always cooked at home but actually just a little bit of salt on you know your eggs that's that's some life-changing stuff it is um so we actually go through a lot of salt here now because we cook at home a lot mm -hmm. um so that's just something i didn't realize what a big difference it would make in yeah. every single dish Salt is not the culprit. Oversalting is and buying processed foods and yeah, and that clearly. If, if you're just salting your food at home, like my old man, that brother uses a lot of salt. I mean, it's offensive. I don't know. He's he's almost eighty and he's still kicking it live. <laughs> but watching him put salt on his food freaks me out. 
But, you know, it's proper use of salt is both good for you because your body needs it, um, but also is always going to make your food better. Um, undersalting it makes it bland. I, I When I go to chili cook-offs, you know, I'm asked on a fairly regular to go judge chili cook-offs. And even in restaurants, as a general rule, if I have a problem with food, it's almost 90% of it is undersalting. Mm. It doesn't take much. Just a, just a quick throw. Even if you're using a finishing salt. I like finishing salts. Like interesting stuff that you just toss on at the very end. But to me, I, I beat people in chili cook-offs or almost exclusively because I, I understand and use salt properly. I think I talked enough about salt. No, it's a good history lesson. <laughs> it really, I swear, you'd be blown away. Yeah. Blown out of your shorts. Well, the wars that have been waged over salt. The, nice. I'm going to link that uh, on there as well so you guys can click on that and grab that as well. It's really neat. That's a good history lesson. Um, what is your proudest achievement? <sighs> you know, the, the first thing you're going to want to say is, oh, it's my kids. I did not achieve <laughs> my kids. I helped. They're... They're good kids and everything. I, I, I would have to say shred. I, I love I love what I do. I love what I do for other people. Um, and, and if I if I died today, I, I don't want people going. That some bitch made good hot dogs. I want them to go. That some bitch changed lives. So, you know, by by raising good kids, uh, like I said before, they're a pain in the ass. But they're good kids. <laughs> they're solid human beings, and that I help raise money and uh, hopefully have created a generation of kids behind me that will take over for me. And and quite honestly, if something happened to me, I'd like to think that they'll go, "Let's help that guy," because he's been so good to others. So, if I have to be proud of anything I've ever done, is is creating a foundation like Shred that I, I think will far outshine even my hot dog making prowess in the end. Nice. So what did 10-year-old Vic think he would be doing right now at 50? That is a great question. Um, I No, 10, I wasn't involved in camping yet. Um, my, initial, my initial thought on that was that I, I've always wanted to be a camp director. I even went to school for it. But I don't know if at 10 years old, I think that was more of about a 14-year-old thing. 10-year-old Vic, I do not, I can't, that's a long time ago, Rob. Yeah. That's a really, really long time ago. All right, I will go with this. The first thing I can ever remember thinking I have to be was camp director. Nice. Working with kids. I, I worked for um, nine years at a camp up in New York uh, for underprivileged, abused, and neglected kids. And I uh, spent nine summers from 14 to 23, uh, and I wanted to be the director of that camp, but it never worked out. And in the interim, I got into the restaurant business, which I find a lovely and noble cause. Yeah. Feeding people. I, I'm like, I like to think I'm a, like an old Jewish grandmother at heart, man. I just, <laughs> I want you to eat. I want you to be happy. There's love in food. So the first thing I can ever remember wanting to be more than anything in the whole world past police, fire, or anything else was camp director for nice. kids. Do you have a favorite quote or saying? Nope. 
(laughs) (laughs) For me, especially, it's probably the last thing I said that somebody laughed at. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I've always liked the one that says, uh, it was uh, Mark Twain. He's got a lot of good ones. Yeah, and it's about Congress and about idiots. Yeah, I, I remember this one. I, I used to have that up underneath uh, the runner in front of our computer. Um, yeah, it's something about maybe getting like more than two idiots together and it's a Congress. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, but obviously, my memory is horrible. So even remembering one I enjoy doesn't even work out well for me sometimes. Nice. I'm not nearly as deep as you hope I am. (laughs) I disagree there. (laughs) Now, we are big fans of music on the podcast. So do you have one album that you turn to when you absolutely need to get shit done? No. What I turn to... That's the same answer I got last week. (laughs) What I turn to is Bob's Burgers. You hear that? Bob's Burgers. (laughs) When I have to shut down the brain and just haul ass in the kitchen, whether it's for a catering whether I'm behind, I put on Bob's Burgers on Netflix. It's a show that's so funny, but you don't have to watch it to get the jokes because it's so verbally funny that I put it on Netflix. I put it, you know, whether it's in front of me or to the side of me or still plugged in. And I just, I get to go away and just listen and haul it in the kitchen and I mean, I'm a big fan of music, everything from Cuban jazz to Beastie Boys to Rage. Uh, there's not a lot I don't like. I'm not real fond of modern, you know, what do you call modern hip hop? I love the old stuff. Uh, listen to Backspin on Sirius. But when I have to just throw, it's Bob's Burgers. Nice. Yeah, it is a funny show. It's, it's it, I, I can't even express to you how... I continually laugh at the same damn jokes. Is that still your ringtone? It is still my ringtone. Nice. Everybody kiss my butt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bit of an inside joke, but that's a ringtone I made for him. Yep. Uh, and, and I won myself some hot dogs. Yes, uh, you did. By being the first one to get that out there, didn't I? And, and you win the partial hatred of my wife because I keep my phone ring pretty loud, even mm. in restaurants. <laughs> And when it goes off, she's always like, turn it down, you turn it down. Well, I'm not taking credit for that. No, I'm going to send her your way. Well, right on. Vic, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being here. Um, thanks so much. Where can the listeners find you online? Online, I uh, at Twitter, I'm at Vic the Chili Man. There's only one L in Chili, so it's V-I-C-T-H-E-C-H-I-L-I-M-A-N. <laughs> and on Facebook, I am also Vic the Chili Man. Those are all separated um, a good way to kind of follow, you know, day to day I'm uptown, but sometimes I have some pretty cool events that you can find me at. I am going to do 704 Open Streets this week over at Charlotte Art League, and uh, I try and keep people up as much as I can, plus, you know, putting out any specialty dogs like the Summer of Bob Dogs I've been doing this year. And um, uh, I also like to put out stuff about Shred as it gets closer and closer since we're edging about three and a half months, four months away. Um, uh, Twitter, I'm not as good at, but Facebook, I'm fairly good at and Twitter. I'm getting better. Nice. You'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. And where can they find you on the street? Fourth and Tryon, across the street from Chima is your best or across the street from all the, um, 
construction that's going on. Look yeah. for the big green umbrella and me hollering and telling crazy stories. And maybe just look for the line that sometimes is 45 minutes to an hour long. It, it can get there. It can get there. Worth waiting for. All right, Vic, thanks so much again for being here. Listeners, I hope you got as much value out of this episode as I did. Vic is a true inspiration. He is the embodiment of everything we are about here at the Future Self Podcast. He knew that the man he was going to be in 10 years from now wasn't the man that he wanted to be. It's not the life that he wanted to be living. So instead of hoping for the best, he dove in headfirst and started doing what he wanted to do. Life got hard, but he didn't give in. You will be hard-pressed to find a better mentor for taking your future self seriously and making the tough decisions every single day to get from where you are to where you want to be. Now, listeners, I know that you have hope dreams, desires, and I desperately want to see those hopes become your history and those big thoughts that you're having today. I want to see those thoughts become things. And that is why every episode is packed with actionable advice you can implement in your life today to get you one step to making your dreams a reality. And that is why I put together a cheat sheet for networking. I want to have you networking because your network your network really is your net worth. So I put together a cheat sheet. Head over to robertingles.com and download my Networking Knockout Punches cheat sheet. It is a handy guide with tips, tricks, and scripts to help you start building a world-class network today. You can find that at robertingles.com. Get out there and do something that your future self is going to be proud of. You've been listening to the Future Self Podcast. If you're serious about planning for the future, then we have exactly what you need. Thanks for listening. Now, get out there and give your future self something to cheer about.